10th chapter and the 38th verse. Acts, the 10th chapter and the 38th verse. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, underline that word oppressed, if you would, or make some kind of notation around it. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Well, uh, you see the devil's the bad one. God is the good one. And Jesus went about doing good. He took the power of God, the anointing of the Spirit of God, and went about in his earthly ministry doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Now, we typically think when we look at that word oppression and we think about Jesus going about healing, we typically think about all kinds of sickness and disease, and certainly he did do that. The Bible says he healed all manner of sickness and disease among the people. But again, what I want to stress here this morning, and you know, we've seen hundreds of people healed over the years here by the power of God. God's still in the healing business. And, uh, but this morning, what I want to center in on is that word oppressed. And look at that, that the root of that is press, P-R-E-S-S, oppressed or press. And what this implies is pressure, pressure. And you need to realize that even though Jesus did go about healing leprosy and opening blinded eyes and unstopping deaf ears and all of that, certainly, healing the maimed and all of that, one part of his ministry had to do with freeing people from the devil's pressure, you see. And how many of you have ever been under pressure? And you felt the devil put you under pressure. See, the devil likes to put us under pressure. And he likes to see us squirm under that pressure. Well, we're going to talk about the way of escape from that pressure here this morning. God's way of escape. And, uh, and that's, that's what we want to talk about. Handling the pressures of life. Handling the pressures of life. How to handle the pressure that the devil puts on us. All of us need to hear this this morning. Particularly in the, in the world in which we live, it's, it's full of pressure out there. In this economy, you know, a lot of pressure. But thank God that He has made for us a way of escape. And He's made for us a way to handle the pressure. And so that's what we're talking about today. Handling the pressures of life. Dealing with the pressures of life. Now you need to realize this. Whenever you make a decision to serve God in any capacity... The devil will always bring pressure to see if we are really serious about that decision. Now, notice in Mark, the fourth chapter and the 14th verse, Mark, the fourth chapter and the 14th verse, Jesus said, Mark, the fourth chapter and the 14th verse, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown when they hear. Now, notice when somebody hears the word, Satan comes immediately. When does he come? Immediately. And takes away the word that's sown in their hearts. And likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises. Now that tribulation or persecution, we, we, we could call that pressure. Pressure. After we've made that commitment to 
serve God and do for God what he wants us to do, the devil comes immediately and applies pressure. Tribulation or persecution arises, notice, for the word's sake. Because of that commitment we've made to the word of God, notice immediately they stumble. The NIV, the New International Version says that they quickly they'll fall away. Well, why do people fall away so quickly? Because of the pressure that the devil comes and applies. And I've seen this again and again and again and again and again over the last many, many years. I've watched so many people, they, they hear the word of God, they'll make a commitment to serve God in whatever capacity it is, and they, they step out and they get into that thing that God wants them to do, and then persecution, tribulation, this comes up, that comes up, this happens, that happens, and they get under that pressure, and instead of doing what God, instead of understanding, which we're going to talk about here in a moment, God's way of dealing with the pressure and continuing on with what God wants them to do, they give in to that pressure and they, they uh, want to relieve that pressure. How many of you know when you get under pressure, you want to relieve that pressure? You want to relieve that pressure. You know, financial pressure is some of the worst pressure of all. And, and people will do all kinds of things to relieve that pressure. But sad to say, most of the time what folks do is not what God wants them to do. They take shortcuts and do things to relieve the pressure, to get out from under the pressure. But then they wind up further away from the will of God than, than ever. And so we don't want that to happen to you. So we want to talk about how to handle pressure situations of life. Now, notice in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, we'll begin to look at this here now. How do we handle pressure? How do we handle the devil's pressure? How do we handle the pressures of life so that we don't fall away and stop doing what God wants us to do? 2 Corinthians 4.17. 2 Corinthians 4.17. Now, what we're going to find out as we read here is that when we get into a pressure situation... And you know what? There's no way to avoid the pressures of life. Now, did you hear me? If you think that you can serve God and live pressure-free, you're deceived. It's when you start serving God that the devil stokes up the pressure engine. Do you understand that? So now, how do we deal with this pressure? Well, notice verse 17, 2 Corinthians 4, 17, says, For our light affliction... Now, notice our light affliction. Now, you see, that's pressure. But God sees it as light. You know, God looks at things a whole lot different than we do. And one thing we need to do is start looking at things the way God looks at them. Instead of looking at things from our perspective, we need to get into the Word of God and look at things from His perspective. How many of you know He's above the problems? He's already conquered the problems. Jesus has already been pressured in all points, like we tempted in all points like we, we have been, yet without sin. He under, Jesus understands some things about pressure situations and how to overcome them. We'll look at the, a few of those in a moment. But one thing I will tell you right now, don't focus on the pressure. Now, you can't, you can't deny that the pressure's there. I'm not saying we deny the pressure's there. We just don't focus on it. God calls it light affliction. So when we're under pressure, we need to, first of all, don't focus on the pressure and realize that God sees it as light affliction. Okay? You understand that? And then the Bible says our light affliction 
which is but for a moment. Now, that's something else you need to realize is that if you'll if you listen to what I'm telling you here this morning, you can deal with these pressure situations in such a way that they don't have to last for year after year after year after year. They can be but for a moment, short, short period of time. Now notice our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is work. Now look at this, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now, you need to realize that when you get into a pressure situation, and if you serve God, you will, that when that pressure situation hits us, we don't want to focus on it, as I've said. We want, to, we want to look at it from God's perspective as a light affliction. But we also need to look at the pressure situations of life as an opportunity, as an opportunity to prove that God's word works. Amen. And look at it as, I always look at it as an opportunity for more exceeding and eternal glory. As you study the Bible, you see that as people are overcomers, as Christians are overcomers, there's great reward that comes by overcoming. Did you ever read in uh, Revelation chapters 2 and 3, the churches? Jesus again and again talked about the rewards of the overcomer. Well, he's talking about in those situations, one way or another, he's talking about overcoming the pressures of life. So whenever I get into a pressure situation, and I didn't start this way, it took me a long time to learn how to do this, but when pressure hits us, I I do my best not to focus on the pressure, but focus on God's word, and I look at that pressure situation as a way, if I'll follow what God wants me to do, as a way to obtain eternal reward. Can you say amen? See, it all depends how you look at something. Pressure hits. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Well, there is something to do. I'm going to share that with you as we go. But I look at it as, hey, we've got a chance now to prove that God's word works. Amen. And we're going to come out on the other side of this thing and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be receiving reward from God in the, in the future. Amen. As a result of overcoming the pressure. Now, notice verse 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen. Well, that's another way of saying don't focus on the pressure. But at the things which are not seen. That's talking about the spiritual world. That's talking about the word of God. That's talking about the answer that God has for us. Let's don't focus on the, the problems that, that, that are facing us, that are forcing us to be under pressure. Now, we don't ignore those, but we don't look at them. What that means is you don't focus on those things. You don't make those things that are facing you, that are pressuring you as the main thing. In other words, look at the things that are not seen. What that, what's that, that, what that is telling us to do is we need to look at the Word of God because the Word of God has the answer to your situation. You understand that? So don't look at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen, that would be the, the pressure is what? Is temporary. Now, it's temporary if you'll do what God tells you to do. Now, if you don't do what God tells you to do, you can prepare yourself to be under the devil's pressure for a long time. But if you'll do some of these things we're talking about here today, you'll be able to make that pressure situation temporary. First thing I've already told you is, do you focus on the pressure or do you focus on the Word of God? Well, there's, there's a good first step. While we do not look at the things which are seen, at the pressure, but at the things which are not seen. That's, that's, that's the answer. 
See, you're in a pressure situation. You may not see the answer right away because you're focused on that problem. Don't focus on the problem. Go into the Word of God and look for the answer, you see. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, also, let's go to 1 Corinthians 10.13 because you need to realize this, that God has a way of escape to every situation. I don't care what situation you're in, God has a way of escape. And what you want to do is you want to, if you're under pressure, you want to escape that pressure God's way, not by taking shortcuts. Shortcuts might relieve pressure temporarily, but they'll leave you in a worse situation in the long run. Did you get what I just said? Did you? All right, look at this, 1 Corinthians 10.13. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation Well, temptation, that's pressure has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Isn't that good to know that when you're going through something that you're not the only one that's ever gone through it? And a lot of people think I'm the only one that's ever gone through anything like this. No, that's another trick of the devil to get you to try to think that you're the only one that's ever gone through that. No, Thousands of other people have gone through that same thing. Some have overcome, so many have not. No temptation, no pressure has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful. Can you say amen there? Now watch this. Who will not allow you to be tempted or pressured beyond what you are able. Well, that's good to know, isn't it? A lot of people think I'm in this situation and there's just too much. It's just too much for me. I just can't bear it. Well, God won't allow you to be tempted or pressured beyond what you're able. So I don't care what you're in the middle of. You're able to bear it and come out victorious. But with the temptation, now God doesn't tempt us. The Bible says that. He, 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 he's not the, the tempter. God's not the one that puts you under pressure to watch you squirm. You understand God has no pleasure in you, pressure, no pleasure, gotta get a hold of my tongue here. God has no pleasure in you seeing you squirm, squirm and go on. Do you understand that? That's what the devil likes to do. He likes to see you squirm under that pressure. That's not what the, that, the, the are you getting this? You getting hold of this? Am I making myself clear? Who wants you under pressure, God or the devil? Does God like to see you squirm? No. Does the devil? Yes. Now, let me ask you this. Whatever situation you're in, are you able to bear it? Yes. All right. Will God allow you to be pressured beyond what you're able to bear? No. But with the pressure, with the temptation... He will what? Make the way of escape that you may be able to what? To bear it. See, God has a way of escape for each and every one of us. And what I want you to do here today is realize that it's God that makes the way of escape. There is a way of escape. You may have come today saying there's just no way out of this. There's no way out of this. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. There's no way out of this. Nobody else ever been through this before. Is that true or is that false? That's false. And, and oh, there's just no way out. Is that true or false? It's false. There's a way out, isn't there? Who makes the way of escape? God. So it's just up to us to find that way of escape. Now, let me ask you this. 
is that way of escape going to be easily found if we're focusing on the pressure and the problem? No. So we don't look at that. Now we don't ignore the pressure, but we don't focus on that. What do we focus on? The Word of God. Because the Word of God has the answer. Amen? Now, having said that, listen to these statements. And I think they'll help you. How do you handle pressure? How do you handle the pressures of life? How do you handle the devil's pressure? Well, here's the, here's the thing you need to get. When you're under pressure, don't take the lid off the pressure cooker. Now, have you ever seen one of those pressure cookers where they cook food under pressure and they'll get to steaming, you know, and that thermometer at the top is spinning and, huh? Anybody ever seen one of those? You know? And what happens if you go over there and you, and you relieve, you unloose the top of that, 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 that bowl or whatever it is, that pot, what happens? It'll go, is that right? A bunch of steam will come out. And what did you do? You relieve the pressure. See, when we're in those pressure situations of life and you get under that pressure, and I'm telling you, financial pressure is the worst, among the worst kind, and you get under that pressure, you get under that pressure, how many of you know you just want to go hit the, hit the valve and do what? Let the steam out and just relieve that pressure. But I'm telling you, when you do that, when you do that, and that's what I call taking a shortcut, when you do that, it may relieve the pressure. And you may get out from under that pressure momentarily. But it's going to lead to worse things down the road. Let me read from my notes. Don't take the lid off the pressure cooker. When you're under the devil's pressure, never make a decision to relieve the pressure. If you do, you will be playing right into the devil's hands. Now listen, I didn't say that you should never make a decision under pressure. I said you should never make a decision to relieve the pressure. Now, did you get what I just said there? See, when you're under pressure, you don't focus on it. You focus on the Word of God, and you'll make a decision when when you're under pressure. But very often, now listen to me, very often, I'd say, I'd say every single time when you're under pressure and you go to the Word of God and you do what God says do, actually, it's not going to relieve that pressure immediately. It may make that pressure worse for a little bit. Did you hear me? But then eventually that pressure will cease. And then you'll go on in the plan of God. But what people do again and again, they get under that pressure and they, they just look for the easy way out. They look for the shortcut. They're in debt and bills are coming in and the creditors are calling on the phone under pressure, already in debt. Calls are coming. So we're going to go borrow more money to pay that. Now, is that the right way? No. Did you relieve that? If you went and borrowed more money to pay off these creditors over here, well, you, you stopped their phone calls for a while. But guess what? In a short time, these people are going to come calling. Huh? Is that right? Did you get that? That's just an example. I've watched people do that again and again. They get in debt and they're under pressure and they're they're being pressured to pay back and they can't do it. And so rather than going into the word of God and doing what God says, they, all right, well, we'll just go borrow more money. How many of you know when you're in debt, borrowing more money isn't the thing to do? 
I'll just throw this in for good measure. I've had seventh graders in my math classes when I taught school years ago. C students who could run a budget better than this government. Well, where'd that come from? Boldness. Amen. You don't, when you're in debt, you don't go borrow more money. Now, I've had seventh graders, C students, seventh graders that have better sense than that. But I've seen people that they get in debt and they're under that pressure to pay. And so to relieve that pressure, they'll go borrow more money. No, 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 no. Let's get into the word of God and find out how to pay those creditors off. And you're not going to relieve that pressure overnight. But if you do it God's way in time, you'll be able to get out of that pressure. Amen. And then you won't owe anybody except to love them. Isn't that wonderful? How many, of, how many of you have ever gone to buy a car? Now, there's some honest car people out there. Some. I said that in case there's any car salesmen in here that are real big. And, but most of them that I've dealt with have not been that way. And you go in there and they, what do they do? They start pressuring you to buy that car. Buy that car. Buy that car, buy that car, buy that car. How many has ever been pressured like that besides me? And as now anymore, I go in there and I say, I say to them, I say I, lovingly, I introduce myself. And once they start up on me, I just tell them now, okay, now if you say any more to me, other than just talking about the weather or answering my questions, I'm going to walk off the lot. I don't, want, I don't want to be pressured. Well, if you don't buy the car by 4 o'clock this afternoon, somebody else is coming along to get it. Well, let somebody else have it. Huh? But I've watched people again and again give in to that pressure. And a lot of times people give in to that pressure and they buy a car that they, that they really couldn't have, they really can't afford. That's one reason that this country is in this economic crisis. One reason is people buying houses that they can't afford. And, and, and people letting them do it, the bankers. But pressure situations. You know, I, I've learned this much. Anything like buying a car, if you go up there, you, you got to do it today. you got to do it today. you got to do it today. No, I don't have to do it today. I can do it tomorrow or the next day. Huh? Now, I've already been in places when I was younger and they pressured me to buy this greatest car in the world. Okay, and I made the decision to buy it, and I signed on the line to down payment and all of that. And then within five minutes, that car became from the greatest car into the world. You go over to this area, this other office over here, and now that same car that five minutes ago was the greatest car in the world. Did you know it has 10,000 moving parts, and any one of them could break at any time? You need the extended warranty. How many knows what I'm talking about? Now, there are some good car people out there, don't misunderstand me, but most of them I've dealt with have kind of been unsavory. But, but it's all about pressure, making the sale. If you take the lid off the pressure cooker and relieve the pressure, you'll not get to experience God's way of escape. Did you ever, and it has far-reaching effects. How many remembers Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How many remembers that? And the king says, you're going to bow when the music plays or you're going in the fire. Is that a pressure situation? 
And remember their response, we're not going to bow and worship your gods. Remember that? How many remembers that? And the king said, well, we're going to make this, the, the furnace seven times hotter. That's pressure, isn't it? How many of you know that's pressure? And they said, our God is able to deliver us. And even if, he, if he's not, if he doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to serve you. You see, what would now, now, now that was their response. But what could they have done to relieve that pressure? When, when, when the king says, you bow or you're going to burn, what would be a way of relieving that pressure immediately? Huh? Immediately. What? All they had to do is, is that right? And that quick, the pressure's, the pressure's relieved. But guess what they just did? They, def- they, they, they denied their God. Now they got, to, they, got, they got free of the pressure instantly. All they had to do was bow. Is that right? And the pressure's gone. But, they, but they, they deny their God in so doing. No, they stood up against that pressure. And under that pressure, they made a decision. We're not going to serve anyone other than our God. Yeah, but you're going in the fiery furnace. Uh, doesn't matter. Our God will deliver us. And even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. And you know what? They went in the furnace, didn't they? And you know the story. Jesus showed up and all of that. You know, the second member of the Trinity, fourth man in the fiery furnace, you know, and all of that. And did you know, now had they relieved that pressure by bowing their knee, guess what wouldn't have happened? Well, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, would have never said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do you see, if we don't give in to the devil's pressure, if we don't take the shortcut, that it can have far-reaching eternal effects on the other side. And if they would have relieved that pressure and bowed the knee, then Nebuchadnezzar would have never said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, for no other God can save this way. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you read that story, they came through the, the fire. They didn't get burned, didn't even smell a smoke. They came out on the other side, and guess what? They got promoted. Now, if they had if they'd relieved that pressure instantly by bowing their knee, they'd have never got promoted, probably. Or their promotion could have came 10 or 15 years later. But you see, by, 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 by not taking the shortcut to relieve the pressure... Yeah, they had to go through the fire. You see, actually, they were under pressure, and by doing it by doing it God's way, it actually made the pressure worse for a while, didn't it? Didn't it? But weren't they glad in the end? And they went through the fire. They come out on the other side, and Nebuchadnezzar's praising God, and they, the the three Hebrew children get promoted. You see. Praise God. God made a way of escape. What was the way of escape there? By uh, we're not going to bow. Praise God. Amen. Now, go to Matthew, the fourth chapter. I want to share with you three examples in the remainder of this message. Three examples of Jesus dealing with the devil's pressure. You know, Jesus is our Lord and Savior. He's also our example. He's our master, isn't he? Now, notice here in Matthew 4, verse 1. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Or pressure, temptation, pressure. And when he had fasted 40 days, 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. See, the devil will pressure us in areas where we're most vulnerable. After fasting 40 days and nights, see, that would be an area of weakness. 
I think, for anyone to want some food. If you're the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But notice, Jesus answered and said, It is what? It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, he didn't give in to that temptation. And he, he didn't give in to it. Notice he didn't just say no, did he? He said, it is what? He focused on the word of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it's written. He'll give his angels charge over you and in their hands they'll bury you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Well, now notice as you get into this, if I had an hour I could teach you on, on some Bible interpretation and whatnot. See, the devil took something out of context there and tried to get Jesus to jump off the pinnacle of the temple. And, and, and in other words, you know, if the angels are really there and God's really as powerful as he is, then we ought to be able to jump off and the angels will, will protect us. See, he was trying to get Jesus to be presumptuous there. But Jesus refused to be presumptuous. He, he properly divided the word of God and knew, knew what the word of God said because in verse 7 he says, It is written, you'll not tempt the Lord your God. Actually, as you, if I had a little more time, I could get into it, that actually the devil was tempting Jesus, you could make argument, to commit suicide right there. Now, I, I, I'll tell you, I've talked to people who have been on the verge of, of committing suicide and that's a horrible pressure that they fall under. But let me tell you, taking your life, uh, you see, they see taking their life as a way to relieve the pressure. That's not the, that's not the way you want to go out. You don't want to, you don't want to do that, dear friends. And notice how did Jesus, how did Jesus find the way of escape? By just saying no or by saying it is written? See, he knew the word of God, didn't he? Again, verse 8, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, all these things I'll give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Seems like that was kind of like what the Hebrew children were going through, more or less. All these things I'll give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Now, how many of you know that Jesus had the cross out in front of him, didn't he? And eventually, eventually he was going to get all those kingdoms of the world. Is that right? But he had to go through the cross. Right? Is that right? Now, he could have taken the shortcut here and just fallen down and worshipped the... You see, if Jesus was only interested in the kingdoms of the world, he could have taken the shortcut right there. Now, I doubt that the devil would have given it to him because the devil's a liar. Is that right? But nonetheless, Jesus wasn't going to take the shortcut. He, he, because you see, if he'd have just been interested in the kingdoms of this world, he could have taken the shortcut right there. No, Jesus was interested in something far more precious than the kingdoms of this world. He was interested in you and me and our souls. Amen? And so he didn't take the shortcut. He didn't fall down and worship the devil. Praise God. But in the process of time, he endured the cross. Is that right? He didn't take the shortcut. And notice what he said here. Verse 10, he said, uh, Jesus said to the devil, Away with you, Satan, for it is written. See, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only will you serve. And notice verse 11, the devil what? Left him. That pressure ceased, didn't it? But you see, Jesus could have taken some shortcuts there. It would have been costly. He could have immediately relieved the devil's pressure, but it would have been oh so costly. It would have cost us all eternally. But you see, Jesus responded, it is written, and as a result, the pressure ceased. Now look at Luke 22. Go there quickly, Luke 22. Are you getting anything out of this today? All right, just two more of these and then we'll, we'll be done. Look at this, Luke 22, verse 39. 
Now notice this, Luke twenty two thirty nine. 39, coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives. Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed. His, his disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Well, something I'll say here is, is Jesus, you could make argument that he was saying, pray to the Father, oh, Father, keep me from temptation. Another way you could look at this, which I feel more comfortable with, is if we'd spend our time praying, there'd be less time to be tempted. Pray so that you will not give in to temptation. Spend your time praying. Amen? Well, think about that. Verse 41. And he says, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed. He said, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthened him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now tell me that's not pressure. He's facing the cross. Is there any other way? Sweating as it were great drops of blood. Now he arose from prayer, come to his disciples and found them sleeping from what? From sorrow or heaviness. Heaviness. Now, as you study this out, this is not the natural sleep cycle. They weren't sleeping because, because it was time to go to bed. They were doing what so many of us do when we get under pressure. Sleeping is a or wanting to go to bed and pull the covers over your head. How many's ever wanted to do that besides me? It's a sign of giving in to pressure. That's something people do again and again when the pressure gets on. I've seen hundreds of them do it over the years. I'm just going to bed. They go to bed and pull the covers up over their head. Well, how many of you know that if you go to bed and pull the covers up over your head, it doesn't change the situation, does it? God's way of escape is not by going to bed and pulling the covers over your head. That's not the way of escape, dear friends. I know because I've done it. And after I laid there for a while and took the covers down, the pressure still there. They, they, they were sleeping from sorrow. As you study this out, this has to do from heaviness. They were under that pressure. They were feeling that pressure too. And he said to them, why do you sleep? Verse 46, rise and pray lest you enter into temptation and so on. And if you'll ever notice it, Jesus didn't give in to the pressure and he went and endured the cross. But did you ever notice what the disciples did when the Roman soldiers and the religious people came out to take Jesus? What did the disciples do? They fled. They gave in to that pressure, didn't they? I'm so glad Jesus didn't give in. Now the last one in John 8, John 8, verse 2, and then we'll close. This one to me is, is just, they're all cool, but this is... Maybe the coolest one. Is that still a good word to use, cool? Or is it groovy? What is it now? Groovy? No, the Brady Bunch use groovy. How many know the Brady Bunch? Oh, there's a few people with some culture. Okay. I'm teasing with you. This one here is really cool. Now look at John 8, 2, and then we'll close. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought... To him, a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him. Or we could say it this way, pressuring him. That they might have something of which to accuse him. 
See? Now notice Jesus is in this pressure situation. If he says, don't stone her, he's violating the law of Moses. Right? If he says, stone her, he's violating the law of of love and forgiveness that he was talking about. Now, Jesus is caught right here between a rock and a hard place. Has anybody beside me and Jesus ever been caught between a rock and a hard place? He's got choice A. That's not, that's not going to work. He's got, you know, choice B. That's not going to work. Because if he says, if he says, don't stone her, violates the law of Moses. Can't do that. If he says, stone her, violates the law of love and forgiveness. What's he going to do? Choice A isn't the way to go. Choice B can't do that. Uh, do you know when, uh, the devil pressures us and choice A uh, doesn't work and choice B doesn't work and there's no seeming choice C? I want to tell you, God has a choice C. It's just a matter of finding it. And notice what Jesus did. He stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. What's he doing? He's waiting on the Holy Spirit to lead him and guide him and direct him. Friends, when you get under that pressure and that pressure hits you, worst thing you can do is make an immediate response. You need to wait on the Holy Ghost until you find out what he wants you to do. And I believe that's what Jesus was doing. You know, Jesus was 100% God. He was also 100% man. In this earth, he operated as a man anointed with the Spirit of God. And he was waiting on the Spirit of God to lead him, guide him, and direct him. There's a way out of this. We just have to find out what it is. So he stoops down and writes on the ground with his finger. And people want to spend hours trying to figure out what Jesus was writing on the ground. Well... I could make some arguments along those lines, but we've got better things to do than to argue about what he was writing on the ground. He was probably writing the Ten Commandments. And those, those, those Pharisees looking at that, uh, probably that's what he was writing. I can't prove it. I don't know. But they were probably looking at, oh, I didn't commit adultery, but I've bore false witness. Well, I'm bearing. Oh, I've done that. Oh, I've done that one. Huh? Could that have been what was happening? I don't know. But I do know, I do believe this, Jesus is biding some time, waiting on the Spirit of God to lead him. Wasn't Jesus led by the Spirit of God? When you get in those pressure situations, you better wait on the Holy Ghost. And notice verse 7, they continued asking him. Could we say it this way? They continued pressuring him. That's the devil at work there. Continued Pressuring him. See, those people, those, those religious people were yielding to the devil right here. They continued asking him, pressuring him, testing him. And then he raised himself up and said to them, See, choice A, don't stone her. That's not, can't do that. Choice B, stone her. Can't do that. Guess what the Holy Ghost gave him? Choice C, which was the way of escape. Notice what he said. He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Isn't that a slick answer? Isn't that cool? That's just so cool. I mean, that is so slick. I I just get excited about that. He didn't tell him to stone or not to stone. Right? He didn't tell tell him to do it or not to do it. He just said he that is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. That's why I think he was probably writing the Ten Commandments. And they saw that they weren't so those so slick either. Maybe maybe they hadn't maybe they hadn't committed adultery like this woman, but they've probably messed up on them other nine somewhere or another, huh? Oh, that's a cool answer. See, the Holy Ghost will get us out of the pressure situations if we'll just get alone with Him in the Bible, Amen, amen. and get in that written word. And can you say amen? amen? And again, He stooped down and wrote on the ground, and those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience. 
went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. Notice the pressure ceased, didn't it? Now, he could have got that pressure off of him immediately if he would have just said, Stoner. Huh? Is that right? But he didn't do that. He waited on the Holy Ghost. He got the right answer. And then the pressure ceased. And I'm sure that woman was greatly glad that Jesus did it the right way. And he was left alone and he and the woman, they were standing in the midst. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, stand with me if you would.